You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? I mean, these things are usually on the street. A billet. The YouTube in it. Faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. What? Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveller in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. Thank you all for joining us, and we are going back this time to the Third Doctor era. We are looking at the Time Monster which features Joe Grant and John Pertwee's doctor taking on, of course, the master played by Roger Delgado. It should be a lot of fun and it's going to be a great story, which this is my first time actually seeing. So it should be interesting. And we've got a great crew to talk to you guys tonight. Let's of course say hi to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you this week, sir? I am fine and dandy. Cool. Are you ready to go to see those science experiments where they play with time? I am ready to go to Cambridge and uh, maybe even stop off in Atlantis on the way. Ooh, that would be a lot of fun. And of course, we have Mary Ogle here. Howdy, Mary. Hi, everybody. It is fantastic to be here. You all ready to go explore and see a giant white chicken flying around the room? I have never been more ready to see a guy in a sheet and a mask. It should be a lot of fun to see. And I'm going to say, you know, folks at home are ready to hear this one, too. It's been a lot of fun to talk about all the things we've been lately. And we were at the 10th Doctor last time. It's kind of nice to go back into the old series. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstationwho at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear and see what you guys thought on this one. You know, this is classic Pertwee all the way. And it was a six-parter that we get to talk about tonight. So it should be cool. So definitely let's jump in with both feet because there ain't no Doctor Who news to talk about. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think, I don't even think they had any news at San Diego Comic-Con at the virtual one. Such as they, it was. Yeah. Well, exactly. Because they had a Red Dwarf panel, but they didn't have a Doctor Who panel. Yeah, so. I don't think there's anything going on. Nah, it would be, it's interesting to see, you know, all the different panels that they did virtually. But Doctor Who was a glaring omission. I don't know if they just decide not to send anybody or they're just like what we've been saying. There isn't anything to talk about. Yeah. 
So we are going to go back now to the 20th of May, 1972. We were all around by that point. So it's kind of cool, <laughs> kind of cool actually. And this is per, he, I, at his best. And this is just, um, he is just right on his game. And it's a classic unit story. It's a classic you know, doctor versus master story. And I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said earlier, this was my first time seeing this one. What about you guys? It is my first time also, and I also enjoyed it. Hey, I'm not the only one that's seen it for the first time this time. That's Woo-hoo! rare. That's rare. Um, usually it's, I'm like the only newbie. Um, but uh, yeah, this is my first time, of course. So, but uh, I, I didn't enjoy it as well. I did. This was interesting. It was a written by Robert Solomon and Barry Letts, but he, you know, Barry Letts was uncredited for it. But it was. And I think at know, this point in time, you have to consider that uh, Barry and and uh, Terrence had something to do with every script and every story <laughs> that you see, right? Yeah. Pretty oh much. yeah. <laughs> oh, very much so. And they get the continuity down. You know, they're trying to tie it all together, and you know, keep the people in character and such and it was awesome this is the one you know we've watched like the different master stories that they did because the master was introduced at the beginning of this season and this is the one i felt like he was the most mastery that we were used to (laughs) does that does it make sense though no absolutely i haven't seen uh the um delgado master a lot um, uh, this is probably my third or fourth outing seeing him, um, which seems like it should be a lot, but I think he probably did like another three or four or five. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, anyway, this one, I thought he just dominates the entire story. Usually like I'm used to him, like coming in at the end, like going, ha ha, it was me all along. This time it's it's I mean he's right there for the It is him all along. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even try to put on a disguise to be the professor. No. Or, no. Uh, he puts no, on a suit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I actually so, thought it was pretty cool seeing him work in the lab with the assistants and everything. It it felt genuine. It felt like he's, Yeah. Exactly. He's very professory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was like and until they started doing the experiment and, you know, he said, come, come you know, Kronos, come, Kronos. you know, he felt like he was fitting. It was like, he was like in a secret identity type thing, you know, truly undercover working on his project and he was fitting into the role. And I, you know, of course he had to hypnotize the Dean, you know, to yeah, pretend like he was there all along. Yeah, but thing. what professor doesn't want to hypnotize their dean? You exactly. Know, like, <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, a, that's what deans are for. Don't fifty percent of them do that anyway? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't. I actually, to be honest, don't think this is particularly well written. I mean, it's just the plot's kind of all over the place what what little there is of it but is it is just such fun to watch it's just this goofy fun charming uh, the the doctor and joe just seem to be having a, a good time they seem they seem to really like each other which was nice to see it wasn't a doctor that was 
being hostile. Oh, not at all. But it was like the way he was, the way he was talking to the, to Joe in this, it's like, it was right out of that Stephen Moffat story he did for the Red Nose Day that he did a few years, you know, probably about 15 years, 16 years ago when it had Mr. Bean being the doctor. Oh, Curse of Fatal Death. Yeah, it felt like when he was talking to her and he was like, I'll explain it to you later, Joe, multiple yes. times. <laughs> and, then when, like, okay. and then the scenes when the doctor was chasing after the master in his TARDIS and they were up on the video screen. It's like, you know, I could still see you. That was like, yeah. right. That was right out of it, which was awesome. Um, I Yeah, I think... I think to Mary's point, it, yeah, the, the the plotting of this story is 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 very convoluted, um, but um, and yeah, it does go all over the place, but but it gets by through charm and characters, um, you know, starting with the Doctor and Joe, who I found, you know, you know, I know we've we've given Joe Grant like a lot of uh, heat here in the past on this show. Um, but I just found her in this like charming. Um, yeah, well, she she's not, she's not the brightest bulb in the shed, but she admits that. And yet she's still got, she's got compassion. Uh, she cares and she trusts the doctor, like ultimately, like more than like a lot of people should, like he, she just is willing to like think, I mean, even, even maybe stupidly. So she like, it's just like, <laughs> Hey, if he's there, I'm I'm going to be fine. Um, and uh, and then of course you have on the other end you have Delgado who's who chews up scenery every chance he gets. He's amazing. Um, and you know I, I thought, man, when we finally get to like you know episode what four or five or whatever, I was like, whoo, this now they're in Atlantis. Where's this going to go? And, and then you get Ingrid Pitt, and I'm like, okay, I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just just keep on going keep on going another four or five episodes i i'm i'm all right with this so um and the rest of the characters are cool too the the scientists uh the uh, the the master's assistants uh are kind of cool in their own way um and yeah, both of them are good strong characters oh, yeah oh very much so you had one that was a total feminist and one who was a total dweeb so and it was awesome. I loved, you know, he got hit with the Kronos Ray and aged. And he was like all, you know, hysterical. And, you know, and then he woke up and he says, I'm 26 years old. How can I look this way? It was, that was just pretty awesome. And, but you felt for them and you felt like you were getting to know these characters and because they they had time, they these they did not rush the story, but it wasn't boring. <laughs> no, they did not rush. No, they had plenty of time to develop that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, but it was not like some six parters that we've seen in the past where you wish they were four. This fit six episodes. Really yeah, it nicely. didn't really drag. I mean, there was filler in it, but it but it was fun. It was still fun to watch. Yeah, and it had it filler. A, and it had an epic quality to it. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, it starts small in a little in a little college in you know Cambridge or whatever uh, in England, but then we go to Atlantis, which is a big deal. Um, and and you know, you we start you know running into Minotaurs and 
and and stuff like that and it's pretty and and then you have all the stuff with the with the time space thing i don't even know what the they just oh, make, they just, they're just they, making they up weren't work. even trying was it, was it, i'm gonna give you a time bump or something time ram <laughs> yeah. time yeah. ram, time ram. Uh, <laughs> you know um doctor uh, and, you wouldn't oh yes i would <laughs> <laughs> there's a look there's a lot of subtext in this story uh um <laughs> and uh and mike what you said it's too it's a unit story so we get uh the brig we get yates we get benton and they all have great moments that we care about i mean you know they benton like almost captures the master twice which is on his own which is pretty outstanding Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he felt for the old. Hey, who's behind you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the oldest trick, not the second the oldest. oldest. The, the oldest. oldest. So the, just, the oldest. And we got to see more of Benton than we ever wanted to see. So, well, thank God it was uh, TV because, uh, yeah, they, um, yeah, a lot of people did, but we didn't. So that's good. Yes, exactly. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't want to change Benton type. I was like, are we going to get baby Benton for a while? That'd be funny. But it it was interesting though because you know Benton sometimes comes off as a real doofus, but yeah. he was smart enough not to when the master disguised his voice as yeah. the brigadier, he was smart enough to know that it wasn't, and you know yeah. get the drop on the master. Yeah, if only as, he just as little the, as that could, you know. If only he had just pulled the trigger, like you know, like there's a couple times where I'm like, you've got the gun, just, just pull the go trigger. for it exactly. <laughs> Although you're a military type, <laughs> although then he would have, you know, then he would have uh, regenerated into uh, what Ansley, and then we would have got a, a master. No, he would have been, he would have been like the Skeletor version of him. Oh, that's in between, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. there's some weird stuff going on that uh, that little doohickey that the uh, doctor uses to uh, track uh, time disturbances. Uh, looks a little too phallic, I think. Oh, the, uh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this whole, what it, I swear they were doing it on purpose because this whole oh, episode course. is filled with stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hell, that three pronged crystal right there. Come on. It's like the, the trident shape. It was like, yeah, okay. We know what it's supposed to be. But it was so, interesting. Got to keep mom and dad happy. Oh, of course. Got to keep the parents interesting. That's They had to do something until Leela came around. Come on. So it was interesting, though. I liked it. Well, that you had it the start... Atlantis queen. She was pretty out there. If you know what yes, I mean. she was. <laughs> she was falling out everywhere. That's what I'm saying. Ingrid Pitt, man. I mean, I'm uh, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, go, I'll go to Atlantis and die with the rest of them. Oh yeah. I was thinking, I feel like this this was where Endora from Bewitched grew up. <laughs> this is her younger self. Yeah, but you know, I mean, and Joe, you know, just walking, I mean, she's I mean, that's what she's there for, right? She's got her short skirts and she's just all her flirty. Boots. Yeah. Yeah. Her, yeah boots. her high boots and yeah. She's uh yeah, but she she looks darling and and when she uh gets up and get has does the, uh, she changes outfits in Atlantis and I'm like, where'd she get all that hair? Um Yeah, that's that too. <laughs> it's like wait a minute. I she got it from the, the, the hair the hair extension shop over in the corner. Come on. 
How, how long have they been down there? <laughs> no, it was it was interesting. I liked how it started with the doctor's dream at the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, and you had the master eating up the scenery right away. And then you have the volcano and everything like that. It was just like that was it was cool and then him trying to figure out what it was. But it the one thing that got me was with this was I loved how they went from story to story. But, you know, so basically, since the doctor technically could not fly the TARDIS still at this point, because he doesn't, he doesn't get that ability again. until after the three doctors. Right. And so he basically just has the TARDIS piggybacking on the master's TARDIS. No. And he you know? uses that doohickey, that phallic doohickey. Yeah. And everything. <laughs> Which is the name we shall call it from now on. The, yeah, the exactly. phallic doohickey. The phallic doohickey. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when uh, the one thing that lost me was when they, well, among many other things, but when the doctor got, um, I guess, thrown into the time stream by Kronos. And how, since he was mentally tied to the TARDIS, the TARDIS was able to bring him back or something, teleport him back into it. Sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, they didn't it really... Was, they... It was very hand-wavy. There was like a million hand-wavy moments. Exactly, but it was, it was like, what, because Doctor Who, basically? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, but you know, it was the kind of story where you didn't really care because the characters were so much fun to watch. And Joe Grant's coxic saves them all. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They even say it twice. My what? what? I know, right? And then then the master gets in on it. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wow, we're all just sitting around the TARDIS talking about Joe Grant's (laughs) coxic. Nice. No, it was that's that's Doctor Who history right there. Oh, of course it was. And we got to see the the members of unit walking running in slow motion and then yeah. frozen. I will say to me like I look, uh Benton's shown the most in this story, I think. Uh he really impressed me. Uh of course Yates gets a moment where like I mean, we really feel for him cuz he yeah, like he almost gets blown up. Um and that's that's uh pretty uh you know for a while for a minute there you're thinking oh is this the end of Yates, um but you know Brig, I was not like this was kind of a weak story for him and and, and there was a couple times where I mean I know traditionally it's his job to be like Doctor you're not making any sense or I need something you know more tangible or so whatever but you'd think by now when the Doctor's like. I sense danger because of a dream I had. Like he would be like, okay, I, I, you know, I, <laughs> you have never steered me wrong. So I'm going to go with this. Although I guess to be fair, he does put an A1 alert out, right? Yes, he does. So, but he gives him crap for it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I thought that too. When I was thinking, this is what you have a problem with. <laughs> all, all the, I mean, the dream thing, all the stuff he's done that is just incredibly ridiculous. Well, and then when he's building that little doohickey and which looks ridiculous, I grant you, but still, you know, the, like 
the two people who are newbies are like, this makes no sense. Joe Grant is completely on board. She's like, you just watch. It's going to work. But even the brig kind of, you know, stabs the doctor in the back by going, that's just silly. Just stop it and let's move, do something else. I'm like, dude, like, this is your guy. (laughs) (laughs) He is your scientific advisor. Come on. You're supposed to see silly things. Yeah, he's the only one who actually knows what's going on because God knows the rest of us don't in this story. <laughs> so yeah, you might want to give cut him some slack. And this is another one of those stories where the master basically doesn't have really any end game except for destroying reality once Which, again. I think it's great that he's honest about it here um i'm not as privy to like some of those stories to know usually he just has these crackpot plots that i don't know where he's coming from and but in this one like the doctor when the doctor confronts him he pretty much says yes let it like all burn like i'm just like okay this is this is a scary dude because he does not care about the universe or himself or anything he just is like, let's go down with it. Like, I mean, he calls the doctor's bluff when the doctor's going to like, you know, take the both TARDISes out. Um, and, and yeah, he, he absolutely doesn't care. And I think that puts him a, a step above some of the other master stories here that we've seen. Cause otherwise he just kind of, you know, looks like he has no purpose, but here he has a purpose and this purpose is to destroy everything. No, Exactly. This master, he almost won. He he really did. Yeah, he actually came very close. I mean, he could have lived out his life on Atlantis with Ingrid Pitt. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and he chose not to. If that's not... <laughs> say, I mean, uh, my God, uh, master, if, what do you need? If, that a, <laughs> if that's not a sign of insanity, I don't know what is. <laughs> no, so, you're completely right. Um, and, you know, I mean you know, fast forwarding to, you know, the latest incarnation of the master, if they were to bring that element of him back, I, I would, I, I think that would, that would help that character a lot. Um, uh, the, the fact that, you know, I mean, we've, we've had a couple of masters, uh, you know, Missy had, you know, she had, there was hope in her, like as far as being able to turn that character around a bit it'd be great if we just went the other way now and had a doctor who just wanted to, I mean, he kind of does, but I I wasn't convinced of it as much. Not like, not like, not like Delgado, like Delgado. And he says he wants to like, let the word, let it burn. I'm like, yeah, he's, he's going to pull the trigger. He means it. Oh yeah. He's going to do it. It's not like, come on, doctor, you got to stop me. Come on. You know? But no, he, you think he is going to do it, and he has every plan to do it. And, you know, he doesn't care if all space and time is destroyed by Kronos. He basically, you know, he'll have the satisfaction knowing that he's the one who brought it on. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what he wants. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's what makes it even more interesting across the board. It's just like, voom. And he's, you know, he does his plans, in especially this one, is just like, I'll destroy it. I'll destroy Atlantis. I'll destroy the universe. You know, if you think about it, his actions brought across the destruction of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
how many thousands of people were killed because of the master. You know, you don't even, they don't even really go into it in this, but that happened and everything. And it's just like, okay, he is a sick, sick man. Yeah. He is a bad guy here. Yeah. He doesn't like, he's not like shrinking people (laughs) or doing anything silly. (laughs) Like, I mean, he uses his, uh, I did, you know, uh, in the beginning he uses his hypnotism, uh, that skill, uh, on the Dean and everything. But, um, you know, later on when he tries it against, uh, the King of Atlantis there, uh, Dalios, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, he, uh, it doesn't work. And I love that scene. That guy, Delios is good dude. Like there's a lot of great actors, uh, like characters in this and he is, He's fun. I love him. Yeah, he just he's he's just so old. He does not take in anybody's stuff anymore. You know, he's just he's had it. Yeah. So he's like, look, you know, you're not fooling me. I see right through you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like fool, you you're not gonna get to me, you know. You're you, that doesn't work for me. And supposedly this guy is like 5,000 years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's this ancient. They don't explain anything about why he is around, why he's, you know, does he have these powers or what? And then he dies simply, you know, by being th- when he's thrown into the jail with the doctor and Joe. Uh, he gets knocked on the head. Yeah. That's all it took. Yep. Well, he was old. <laughs> when when you're that old, little knock on the head, that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, good Look, point. If I got a knock on the head now, that would probably put me out for a long time. So I get it. Um, look, I'm a, a big fan of Greek Roman mythology. Uh, I like the fact that they I recognize character names in this, but they're not used to any great skill um or meaning in terms of myths that i'm familiar with anyway um i mean they mention names like chronos and poseidon and zeus and everything but they don't they're not really they don't uh, go anywhere with it yeah well yeah they're not really looking at the the actual lore that of like i said that i'm familiar with this is not this is not a king of the titans uh (laughs) that i'm familiar with like you know when i saw that when i saw that uh you know, KKK reject flying around. I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but this is not an interpretation of Conus that I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. I think they could have done a better job on the guy in the sheet hanging from wires. Oh, I mean, geez. really, that was the best you could do. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a reject from Chicken Town right there. We got it. <laughs> He is the weakest part of this story by far, yeah. which is, which is ironic because he's, he's the whole, he's like the whole plot of a, like the main plot of the entire epic, but it's, it, he's, it's weak. Yeah. yeah. No, nope, yeah. I definitely think so. And it was just like, he's coming back. He's coming back. And you see the little one and it grows or whatever out of the crystal. And it was just like, oh, geez. And Don't come back. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> and you know they just put a poor guy on the strings, and they were pushing him around the, the floor. Yeah, he's, he's just, just getting, yeah, he's getting bashed <laughs> into the scenery. Yeah, he's just <laughs> swinging exactly. around, yeah. hitting the wall. Donk, donk, donk. I can't see. Donk, 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 donk. 
But you know the uh, Star Wars tie-in for this, don't you? Oh, yeah? Yeah, yep. there's a, definitely a Star Wars tie-in with this. Very young Darth Vader. Exactly. He's the Manator. Yep. Oh, well, well, I say I say very young. He's like, that's five years younger. It's five years before Star Wars. Before it comes out, yep. Yeah. But uh, David Prowse is in some serious shape in this. Like, I mean, I know he was a bodybuilder, and that's what kind of got him work. That and his size got him work uh, with uh, BBC and Hammer Productions back then. And he was trainer to a lot of, like, he trained Christopher Reeve for the first Superman movie. And, and you can see why, because, like, yeah, I would, wouldn't have recognized him without knowing, seeing his name on the credits. But right. I mean, he's an extremely. Well, how would you? He's yeah, he's got a bull head. Well, yeah, but I mean that, and but I mean, he's just like yeah, that he, he's, he's a jacked he's, up Minotaur. He's a jacked exactly. up Minotaur. Although, you know, the whole Spanish bull rider thing. I, oh, that that. Oh, that I was that. awesome. That, that was I actually funny as hated, hell. and this I hated it. I thought it was so <laughs> stupid. I thought this has nothing to do with anything. It makes no sense at all. Not that anything else did, but after the Manator threw the other guy through the mirror or whatever or glass, and then mm-hmm. it's like then the doctor came in and going bull bull ha ha, and it's just and like it, oh jeez, that was yeah just dumb. And then he used his Venusian judo on the back of him ha, <laughs> as you do, as you as do, you of do. course, as you do. So, yeah, it was, yeah, that was pretty bad. Okay. I can't even say. <laughs> no, no. I mean, look, if you like the cheesiness of it, that's, that's fair. That's fair. There's dude, a lot of cheese love, here. Dude, I love cheese. And, but yeah, <laughs> that's just, that was just a, even a little too much for me. So, but yeah, it was an interesting episodes of story and overall I liked it. I, thought like i said earlier i thought it moved very smoothly and it was it was neat i loved how the master was playing with time with bringing like the knight in and the uh, world war ii airplane to bomb the tardis and the convoy and everything i like the idea of it but it seemed a it, it seems short so short used that it didn't really play out that well yeah, it wasn't executed very well. Well, maybe the plane part, but the other parts. I I couldn't even see the plane half the time. Yeah, but I mean, just the implication of the plane coming to bomb, you know, yeah. to bomb Yates. I mean, that that was actually kind of effective. But... I thought so. The way they handled that and the way they just stopped and mm-hmm. were like, you know, Yates, Yates. And it was like, you know, and then seeing, you know, the result of that and Yates was pretty badly off. And yeah, that was effective, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I th- we didn't need the round heads. <laughs> I mean, that that was filler. <laughs> no. Yeah, and really, like you know, the 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 knight with the jousting stick is kind of like, yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's no, don't need that. Just shoot him, you know. Yeah, you know, any modern convoy would just run over that guy with the, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah, or if the brigadier was driving it, just go, just go. And, you know, but no, they had to f- fall off the side. Oh, we got stuck in the mud. Oh, so, yeah. What did you guys think of that one priest guy who the master brought up through, brought through time? Oh, Crassus. Yeah. Was it Crassus? Yeah. He was just <laughs> kind of the, he was kind of the sniveling guy, you know. 
He's he's yeah. actually the, the one character that was really kind of meh for me. He's not very likable, and he's just sort of well, following Delgado around, and he's overshadowed by Delgado. Oh, at every time. anyone anyone is. You know. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pertwee was bar- barely, you know, they were pretty equal, but there was times when you lost Pertwee in the scene because Delgado was just rawr, 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 eating everything up. Except and except everything. I didn't notice him as much when Ingrid Pitt was on the screen. <laughs> I think Mike's tried to make a point here. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think. Have I made that point? <laughs> I don't know. Am I, <laughs> is that, am I being too subtle? I think Ingrid no, Pitt like, made a couple of points. About as subtle yeah. as a phallic doohickey. <laughs> <laughs> I love, though, you know, the doctor, doctor's TARDIS is, of course, stuck in the police box form. But the master's is supposed to be a working TARDIS that's supposed to change. And it, you know, it went when they went back to Atlantis. It stayed as the computer banks. Yes. Did they now? Uh, they also uh, good points because of the couple of things I wanted to make a uh, points about the TARDIS is too is that we've got a new interior design, um, mm-hmm. which I noticed first in the Master's TARDIS, and then when they switched to uh, the Third Doctor's TARDIS, I was kind of like, oh, well, they were just lazy and they just wanted to keep that set up. <laughs> Well, yeah, all they did all they did was change the center column. But apparently, what they were legit going to change the interior of his TARDIS as well. But um, Barry Letts didn't like it, and then there was some damage to it, and so they never they they, they just, just said it forget it. Yeah, they just forget <laughs> it. But I kind of like it. I especially like it. I like it when there's a difference between like the Masters and the Doctors. I wish they had sort of made that a bit clearer. But I, you know, here I am always complaining that the round things look so disgusting later on because they just never have thrown them out. And here we get new round things and they look pretty good. I wish they'd stuck with those actually. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, they looked pretty awesome. The other question I have for you guys, cause I'm not as familiar, but is this the first time we get a TARDIS within a TARDIS within a TARDIS thing? Yes. Yeah, as far as I know. Well, you have to remember before the doctor met the well, met up with the master, he didn't really so there have was no other TARDISes. There were yeah, no other TARDISes. Was, yeah, the only time you ever saw any other TARDISes were, and you didn't go into them, was during the uh, second Doctor story War Games, because mm-hmm. they were using Time Lord technology to transport. Oh, so, and this is, is this the first time where we get a TARDIS versus a TARDIS? Because, you know, I, I know yes. this is not the first master TARDIS story, so. No, but the Doctor before this didn't really ever use the TARDIS during the third Doctor era. He was always trying to repair it. You have to remember the next story after this is the three Doctors. True. And that's where he gets the TARDIS back fully. Oh, that makes sense. So, he gets the ability to to drive it. it again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well, that's cool. I mean, that I mean, that was really fun seeing a TARDIS within a TARDIS, and then they have them playing around with that. I like that a lot. That's something that you don't. Again, you don't see very often in classic Who. Um, it's something that you know, like uh, I think that you know Stephen Moffat would really 
Uh, that that's the kind of stuff that he really likes and brings to the table uh, later on. Um, I mean, literally when he does a TARDIS within a TARDIS, I think. <laughs> well, exactly. well, you get you, the next time you see a TARDIS inside of the TARDIS is when the, the in Legopolis. I think. Oh, really? Next time. Yeah. I think that's when, you know, the next time you see that happen. Gotcha. And that's the end of Tom. So that's what that's over probably almost ten years later that you you know so you don't get to see that for a bit. Um, stepping away from the the TARDIS a little bit, um, the other thing I wanted to mention too is uh, you know we talked a little bit about the relationship between the Doctor and Joe uh, when they're captured and they're just sort of sitting there and. Um, Joe's, you know, pretty upset. Um, they have a scene together where he tells a story about his childhood. And I, I like that a lot. I love those yeah. little moments, those old doctor and companion moments. And I thought that scene, that scene to me, like, like I said, I, I know we haven't been given Joe, I haven't given Joe Grant much in terms of, uh, much props in terms of her as a character, um, but recently I saw day of the doctor, uh, day of the Daleks. And then in, th- in this one, and my opinion of Joe Grant is like growing big time. Um, uh, cause I, I definitely think that, uh, she's not, what did, what did, uh, one of our co-hosts call her a big bag of hair? Like, I, I think she's a lot more than that. Um, uh, you know, and not just, you know, not just the short skirts and the long boots, but the, uh, um, just the compassion she seems to bring, as well as the trust that she has in the doctor and, um, and she, she catches on. There's almost a, almost every time in a story. Now there's a point where the doctor dismisses her and she does, she says something and he's like, Oh, you know that like, like he's surprised. So she's constantly surprising him as well. And I, 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 I think they're giving, they, they did something to give her a little bit of, a little bit of credit. Uh, and she's not just uh, there for, I mean, obviously she is there for looks, but. Nope. It's uh, exactly, but no, I thought the chemistry between Joe and the doctor was great. Oh, I thought it definitely. was. And, that was you just know, it, really nice to watch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, it was, it was a good feeling, but, and we didn't get that many doctor and brigadier scenes in this. Like yeah, where like was, I said, he's pretty yeah, weak in this. Yeah, yeah, it's not a great brick story. Yeah, so it's we'll a fun unit see. story, but it's not a great brick story. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. It'll be very interesting to see what happens um, with, you know, seeing. You know, we still have plenty of Pertwee still to go. We haven't seen mm-hmm. and everything. So there's a lot of you know. Doctor and Brigadier moments we still have to go, which is pretty. I awesome. don't. I was trying to think of it. Have we covered her last? Because I was trying to remember how and why she leaves. She um, falls in love with um, a scientist. Have we done that one yet? No. Okay. Yeah, we so have I, not, I think that. that's that's the. the <laughs> is that the? Green oh, you death? guys haven't done that one. Yeah, I've no, seen I it, think, but I don't know if you guys. Yeah. I've seen that one, but I we haven't done it on the show yet. Okay. So what I think what's that one called? I think it's the Green Death. Is it the Green Death? Mm, I think so. I could tell you in a second. Yeah, yeah. the Green. Yeah, the Green Death. It says okay. her last appearance. Yeah, she goes off with a scientist to the Amazon rainforest. 
Well, they kind of mentioned which is a total fit for her. Yeah. In the Sarah Jane adventures, they kind of mention that she's, you know, she spends her time post doctor, uh, you know, doing um, environmental things. So, uh, so that makes sense. But um, I, yeah, I, like I said, I don't think I've seen her last story and, and she's on, uh, she did what, two and a half seasons. Yes. Cause this is the, this is the finale of the night. Of her season. first. Right. She's on the whole 10th season. And does she, I don't think she does the 11th. I think that's Sarah Jane. So I th- and then think, because uh, then Tom starts with season 12, I think. Gotcha. So she's in all of the eighth season mm-hmm. and ninth and then part of the 10th. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, hold on. Because uh, our first one was Terror of the Autons, which is the first one of the eighth season. Right. And so and she's yeah, on eight, the nine, whole eighth season. Yeah. That she's on with the whole tenth season too. Then. Um, uh, I thought that. Uh, or do they switch with Sarah Jane? Uh, Sarah the Green Jane Death did... was, you're right, the fifth and final season, a serial of the 10th season. So Sarah Jane <laughs> comes on at the beginning of the 11th. So, so right. um, it, yeah, I always think that, uh, I guess I always have in my head that John Pertwee only lasted three seasons, but it sounds like he lasted like five. Um, I think five. Yeah, because he's, he's seven, a, he's eight, nine, 10, and 11. Yeah, five. Yeah. And he's on one season with Liz Shaw and then one with Sarah Jane. Now, I do like Liz a lot. And so for those people who are like, oh, he's becoming a Joe Grant fan, I still like Liz, and I wish we got more of Liz. Yeah, I really <laughs> wish we had, too. I liked Liz a lot. Uh, yeah. Liz was fun. Um, but uh, Joe is, is better than, uh, you know, she's growing on me. Now, granted, she there might be some really bad episodes of her out there still. Um, but uh, And, of course, you know, once Sarah Jane comes, I'm going to forget about everybody else anyway. So. No, uh, except for, you know, the Queen of Atlantis, right? Well, yeah, I can never <laughs> I can never forget about Ingrid Pitt. Yeah, I'm see? too much of a hammer fan for that. See? So yeah, it was pretty awesome. Do you have any other final thoughts with this episode? Okay. Not that I can think let's, of it. let's go ahead and rate this then. One out of five TARDISes, one being the worst, five being the best. Mary, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Well, you know, here's the thing. It's not It's not a great story. It's not particularly well written, even, I have to say. I mean, the plot sort of alternates between terrible and non-existent. But it, it has a lot of good characterization. And there's just this kind of clunky charm to it that is just, I mean, it's goofy fun. It's really fun to watch. And uh, I love the interaction between uh, the Doctor and Joe and the Doctor and the Master and a lot of good secondary characters, too. So I think I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay. Mikey? Um, you know, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. But I'm going to inch it a little bit more closer to a four simply because of Roger Delgado. 
I know you thought I was going to say Ingrid Pitt. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to give it a five because of Ingrid Pitt. No, no. Look, if I like, like Ingrid Pitt is in Warriors of the Deep, and I know I didn't give that a five. So, so, uh, so just because she's in it doesn't mean it's a five, but it will. It doesn't hurt. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and and give this a four because if you're looking for really really good Roger Delgado master stories, this one to me is one of the best I've seen. So for that reason alone, uh, it gets a four for me and everything else is pretty good. Yeah. There's some nonsense in there, but, um, I think overall it's, it's, it's worthy. Okay. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, I'm going to give it a solid four. I enjoyed the story. I thought it was interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't any time in it where I was going, God, this thing is dragging or, yo, oh my God, this should be one episode shorter. I enjoyed it. I liked the characterizations. Some of it was just like, huh? Okay. So the doctor ended up saving the master from an eternity of torture from Kronos at the end. And it's like, you know, so it's the doctor's fault. Okay. Got it. You know, he had to actually show mass mercy to the master. So I'll tell you what, the master's got that like distract somebody and run move down pat. He uses it like four times in the story. Uh, <laughs> Look over there. Run every away. time. <laughs> exactly. Like in Bill and Ted. Hey, the Goodyear blimp. Look. <laughs> That's the, he, the, it's the oldest trick in the book because it works. Yeah. Kind of sort of. And it did work perfectly for him. Yeah. It was interesting to see. I enjoyed it. Um, I would recommend it for somebody who wants to see a Pertwee era. You don't need to know really any of the doctor's history at this point. If, you know, for somebody who really hasn't seen the series, I loved seeing Bessie in action. Mm, and yeah, well, was yeah, fun to see Bessie that was again. great. Yeah, we didn't even mention, but good point. Yes, Bessie shines. Was it the, the super drive? Yes. The ultra yeah, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I'll, I'll go first, Doctor. I'm a little faster than you. It's like yeah. <laughs> yes. try to keep, try to keep up. Exactly, that was just awesome. And yeah, so it was, it was great. And you know, good on Joe Grant to actually have you know a lot of hairspray in. Because her hair was perfect after going through the super drive. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I definitely would definitely give it a four. It was great. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. What did you guys think of this episode? Please write us, of course, at EarthStationWho at ESONetwork.com. Let us know what you think. What are your ideas on it? We'd love to hear from you guys. And speaking of you guys, we will be back again in two weeks. And we are going to be looking at a big Finnish adventure again. That's right. The Paternostra gang is back. And we are looking at, I guess, the second volume, the second season. And it's, I think it's tying into one big story with all, it's going to eventually be four seasons. And it's going to be one big long story arc because they left a lot of cliffhangers in the first one. So it's going to be nice to see Jenny Strax and, of course, Madam Fastra again. So it should be a lot of fun. Until then, on behalf of myself, Mr. Mike Gordon, and Mary Ogle, we will see you here next time on Beer Station Who Podcast. Peace. And we are done. Boom.
You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder. Like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcast like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.